So today, we're talking about this big, scary word called blasphemy. That was the appropriate response. You're supposed to go, ah. And I'm really excited that we're talking about this word blasphemy because I think when we use a word like blasphemy, the expectation and the truth behind why God gave us this word is kind of cloaked and clouded and we kind of miss the heart of what God was trying to say. So before we get into this word, blasphemy, I want to talk about names. What is in a name? Before you heard the children's sermon, have you ever thought about that? What's in a name? What is in a name? And I have to tell you, and I hope you know, there's actually a lot. There's a lot that comes with a name. For parents, we, we, we instinctively know that when we find out that, that we're having a child, that's one of the first burdens that we feel. What are we going to call it? What are we going to name her? What's his name going to be? See, before, before Christine and I's children were born, uh, we spent hours, and you probably did too, looking for the right name. I mean, we went to every uh, website, we Googled, we talked to people. Anything that you can think of, we did to come up with ideas for what we were going to name our children. And we would, we would narrow it down. You remember that? We'd have a list with, with pros and cons, and we would fret over and we would pray over what is the name of this child that God has given us. We, we spent time talking to family and asking family, hey, what was, what was my great-grandfather's name? Hey, what was my great-great-uncle's name? What was my, you know, what was my, my aunt twice removed? What was she like? And what was her name? What was her middle name? Maybe that would work. And we would just spend all of this time coming up with names. And we had to be very careful. I don't know if you've experienced this, but we had to be careful that our children's first name goes well with our last name, Keys. Let me just tell you from experience, there's a lot of ways you can mess that up. <laughs> what, if, what if we would have named our son Bruce? Brewskies? Come on. <laughs> a pastor's kid named Brewskies? That just would never work. What if we had rushed and we had decided to name our daughter Dawn? Donkeys. I mean... She would have never lived it down. She would have never been invited to prom. It would have just been bad. We would have never, never survived that. So names are important. And, I, and particularly for me, names were, were crucial because I grew up, uh, I'm Charles Dale Keyes II. So I was named after my dad. And so I was always little Charlie or Charlie's boy. Uh, I, I always wanted to have my own name. I always, I loved nicknames. I wanted a nickname so that I wasn't just Charlie's kid or little Charlie. And so I, 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 particularly probably more than Christine, I felt this burden that I wanted the right name for my children, for our children. And so we have a, we have a son, six-year-old boy, and his name is Channon Branham Keys. I love that name. 
I really feel like the Lord gave that name to me because we beat our heads against the wall trying to find a name. I mean, everything that I came up with was shot down. Everything that Christine came up with was shot down. And I remember one day I was looking for names and I came across this name, Channon. And immediately it just clicked. It's like, oh man, that could be it. So I began to do some research on this name, Channon, and I found out that Channon is actually a Hebrew word that means gracious and compassionate. It could also be interpreted as the Lord has been gracious and compassionate. And then I really got stirred up in this name when I, when I began to research it further and I realized that Channon is a variation of, of the name of one of David's 30 mighty men. So I was like, okay, now we're going somewhere. My firstborn son, David's mighty men. Okay, this is working. This is working. And, and I just remember I was terrified to go to my wife because I was already sold out on Channon. I was like, this is his name. And once I shared it with Christine, she just fell in love as well. But then it came time to come up with, with uh, Channon's middle name. I mean, what do you put with Channon? And uh, at that time, when Christine was pregnant, she, we, we found out or we knew that my father-in-law uh, had uh, terminal cancer. Uh, it's Christine's stepdad. Uh, his name was Ron Branham. And we knew that he was going to pass away before Channon was born. But we also knew that we loved Ron and we wanted his name to continue with honor and uh, to be represented beyond his life here on earth. And so we were able to tell him before he passed, hey, we would, if you, with your permission, we would like for Channon to take your last name as his middle name. And so I just remember naming Channon. And I remember for, 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 for many weeks after he's born, I couldn't say his whole name without tearing up and getting choked up because I knew what it represented. I knew who I wanted him to be, the characteristics that God wrote on his heart. And just as another little added aside, it worked out great because we, we struggled with Channon because my name is Charlie the second. Do we name him Charlie the third? And, and we went back and forth on that. But Channon is spelled with a C-H and my name is spelled with a C-H. And so that just worked out perfect. The Lord covered me there. And then a few years later, we had this little girl who was going to uh, come into the world. And if, if you're a dad of, of, of a little girl, you know how terrifying that is, number one. But then you have to come up with a name for this little girl. And so uh, I, I think the Lord was gracious to me particularly because her name seemed to find us. You know, we dug through and dug through to find these names for Channon. And it seemed like once we heard Kara, we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. I think that's, that's it. Um, it, it stuck with us. And, and I think it's a perfect name for our little girl because Kara means dearest one or beloved. And I just loved that idea of my little girl knowing that she's beloved, even in her name. Now, obviously, uh, Kara's middle name is Joy. It's Kara Joy Keys. And uh, that, that, there's no better middle name for our little girl because that is what she produces. She is joy and she produces joy. It's a, it's a great descriptive of who she is. And again, just a little added, little, little neat little thing. Uh, Christine, my wife, her name is spelled with a K and she constantly has to tell people it's Christine with a K and Kara begins with a K. And so we've, number one, we've, we've 
written these characteristics into our children's lives, but we've also tied them to us uh, in CH for Channon and Charlie and K for Kara and Christine. And that, that was our hope for Christine and I, that, and, and that was our prayer that our kids would live into their names, not just their last name. Obviously, we want them to represent that well, but their first name. Because names can define who we are. Names can sometimes give power. In fact, we see in the Bible that God sometimes changes the name of people. When God initiates a new calling or something significant is about to take place in the life of someone in the Bible, and God is calling them beyond themselves or calling them to live into something for his kingdom, a lot of times you'll see he'll change their name. We see it with uh, Abram and Sarai. Their names are changed to Abraham and Sarah when God chose them to be the seed of a new nation, a people chosen by God. And, and again, we see the meaning as being significant. Abraham means the father of nations, the father of many nations. And Sarah means princess. I just love that. I love that, that even God calls his daughter princess. And we see Jacob's name changed to Israel after Jacob had wrestled with God. And even in the New Testament, we see Saul who fought against Christians, who, who played a part in the, in the taking of lives of Christians when he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And his life is forever changed. Along with that life change comes a name change. And he's changed from Saul to Paul. So what's in a name? A lot. We see that in our God, there is an importance surrounding his name. That importance is shown to us in the third word that we received today. So I want to read it for us again. Uh, this, this third word, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord your God will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. In your Bible, you'll notice that the word Lord is in all caps. That's a sign for us. That is done for a specific reason. When you see that in your Bible, you'll know that the Hebrew word that makes up our English word is Yahweh. God's name, Yahweh. Yahweh is the name in which God reveals himself to us. He, we also can translate it to Jehovah. And that, that word occurs over 6,500 times in the Bible. Did I mention that names are significant? So when we see Yahweh or Jehovah, we're not talking about just this little G God. We're talking about the capital G God of the universe. We see from the very beginning of our Bibles in Genesis 2, Jehovah God is creating the heavens and the earth, and he created us in his image. Just as Christine and I created Channon and Kara in our image. This same Jehovah Yahweh God makes a covenant, a relational commitment with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And it is this Yahweh that calls Moses from the burning bush in Exodus. And it's in Exodus chapter 3 that God finally reveals the meaning of his name. Which also, interestingly, reveals his character. 
See, God calls Moses from out of the burning bush, and he calls him to go and free his people from slavery. He calls him to free them from the Egyptians. And Moses, being smart, being a smart man, rightly says, now I'm going to go and tell these slaves that the God of their ancestors has told me to come to them and tell their ruler Pharaoh to let them go. They're going to probably ask me, who sent, who sent you? What's this God that you claim sent you? And we see God's uh, interaction, and we see what God says in Exodus 3, verse 13. It says, But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? See, Moses wants to know who's sending him. Doesn't that make sense? Don't we do that when we meet someone? Isn't that one of the first things we ask? Hey, what's your name? What's your name? And if we're going to do, if, if Moses is going to do what God is calling him to do, then he needs to know who he's dealing with. See, if we're going to be in a relationship, we need to know the name of the person we're going to be in relationship with. And, and God, in his grace, he answers Moses in, in verses 14 and 15. He says, God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said further, thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am sent me to you. I am who I am. Now that's a name. I am who I am. The name Yahweh and the phrase I am both come from this, this Hebrew root word that means to be. To be. It evokes this image that, that our God is self-evident. That he is not dependent on anything or anyone. That he is beyond all things. That he is unchangeable. That he is unending. That he is eternal. That he is who he is. But then God goes on to say to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, have sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title for all generations. You see, God reveals his name to Moses, and he reveals his name to us, that he is Yahweh, that he is Jehovah, that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and that we can count on him. He is the same God. He's telling Moses, I'm the same God that revealed himself to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So God is essentially saying to Moses and saying to us that if you want to know who I am, look and see who I was to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. That you can see my character in my relationship with them, my interaction with them. You see, for the Jews everywhere, this holy name, they, they carry this name. There, there's weight to the name of God, to Jews everywhere. Devout Jews won't even speak the name of God out loud. And if they write God's name, they spell it out G underscore or underline D, to ensure that in no way do they misrepresent God's name or misuse his name. They, they carry it with holiness. 
And when the scribes are copying the Torah and, and they, have, they have to write God's name, there's actually a ritual process that they'll go through. There's, a, there's an extra prayer they'll pray so as to not misuse or misrepresent God's name. So again, what's in a name? What's in a name? When it comes to God, there's a lot. There's a lot. God reveals himself to us and he reveals the power in his name. So I wanna take us back to that third word this morning. See, we've looked at some of the background material, but again, look at it from the perspective of the nation of Israel who are receiving this word for the first time as they stand uh, at the, the base of Mount Sinai. And Moses is giving them this words and they hear the power and the importance of speaking this word in reverence and holiness. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord. You might have heard Kim say, you shall not use the, the name of the Lord in vain. For the Lord your God will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. See, there's more to this third word that I think we give credit. I'm talking again about, about blasphemy. Because typically, when I've heard the commandment interpreted, we, we just kind of think of it as cursing. Don't, don't say any cuss words. But there's so much more to it. In fact, I, I love this, uh, and, I, and I do this quite often because I think words are important. That idea of using the Lord's name in vain. Have you ever looked up that definition? In vain? What that means? Let me, let me pull up my favorite. In vain, without effect or to no avail, to no purpose. Or the second definition, these are the two, in an improper or irreverent manner. And see, I think as a, as a church, we've done a, a pretty good job of focusing on that second definition in an improper or irreverent manner. That's where we get this idea of, of don't, don't say any cuss words. Don't, don't say things that are irreverent to God. Don't use God's name as a cuss word. Don't, don't say OMG or oh my God or, or don't use God's name. Uh, don't say Jesus Christ directed in, to someone in a disrespectful way. And that's good. We shouldn't do that. But I don't think this commandment, this third word, is, is just about that. And don't get me wrong. Like I said, I, don't think, I think it includes that. We shouldn't use God's name that way. In fact, I think in some twisted way, using God's name as a curse word, as a way of cursing someone, in a twisted way elevates it because only God can curse. I mean, when was the last time someone cut you off in traffic and you said, Thomas Jefferson, damn you. When, when has that happened? Right? Never, right? Because even as significant of a person as Thomas Jefferson was, he, he can't bring a, a lasting impact on someone's life. But God can. And so we use his name in an irreverent or irresponsible way when we use his name to bring about curses. But I think this third word also implies not misusing God's name in empty or vain ways, to misrepresent his name in an unworthy manner. Now, here's what I find interesting about this commandment. God won't acquit, acquit anyone who misuses his name. Whew. Doesn't that seem harsh? 
That seems harsh to me. Why in all the commandments that are given does this one end in a curse? Why does God say that this is the one that won't be forgiven? Again, I think to understand that, we need to return to the context and the purpose of God's people. God's people originally, the nation of Israel, and, and for us as well. See, the Israelites were called by God. They were a chosen people with the purpose of blessing the world. Their purpose in life, their name was designed around the idea that they would be blessed so that they could be a blessing. That in their relationship with the Yahweh, Jehovah God, that they would be able to express to the world who the one true God was. In how they interacted with him, how they interacted with one another, and how they interacted with the remainder of the world. They were representing God's name. In fact, in, uh, we see here in uh, Exodus, that was the primary purpose of God's people. It says to make his name resound throughout the earth. So you see how you use God's name is important. Are you using it as, as our definition said? Are you using his name without effect to no avail? with no purpose? I mean, think about it in the context of your company that you work for. You, when you started a company you, or you start working for a company, you get a, a shirt or a hat or a name badge that has the name of your company and you're representing that company. Does your employer want you to represent them to no avail? Does your employer want you to work in a way that shows it your job has no purpose? Absolutely not. And that's just a nine to five employment. God is looking down on us, his children, and he is saying, do not represent my name in a way that communicates that I am unloving, that I'm disconnected, that I created you with no purpose that pursuing me will come to no avail. Don't, don't represent my name in that way because that violates the purpose that I created in you. I gave you the name child of God so that you could represent my name to those who don't know me yet. And I cannot forgive, I cannot equip you miss appropriating my name, misrepresenting me in that way. Just as another aside, I think the church misrepresents God's name uh, too often by uh, misusing God's name and kind of using it as kind of a magic wand or a good luck charm. We, we kind of use God's name like we own it. We, we are forcing God's hand because we're using his name, and, and that doesn't communicate relationship either. I mean, just the other day, Christine and I were dealing with some, some legal documents on a car that was eaten by a bear. I'll tell you that story later. But uh, we had to sign some documents electronically. So I signed my name, and then the option came up to sign Christine's name. And I could have very easily just hit click. 
but I invited her in my office and I talked to her and I explained the documents to her so that I didn't misappropriate her name. Even though we're in relationship with each other, I don't own her name. I don't have the right to sign her name to something. And many times we treat God's name that way. We have the right to put his name on things without even talking to him about that situation or those circumstances. So I just, in, in closing, I just want to invite you to take seriously God's name, to look at your life, to examine your life and say, are you, do you represent his name well? Does the way you live your life, the way you, you express your relationship with God, does it say that pursuing him comes to no avail? Does it say that there's no purpose? Or does the way you live your life show that you have, you have a relationship with a loving, alive, fatherly God in heaven who has love and purpose for us all? Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you that you gave us your name. You create us in your image. I pray that you would reveal to each of us where we need to grow and mature and repent and how we represent your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.